Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and I'm excited to bring you another great conversation this week on how to lead transformational change in your schools. This week, I catch up with an old friend of the podcast as Matt Miller drops in to talk about the current state of education post-pandemic, why getting messy in the classroom is one of the true staples of deeper learning, so you don't want to miss that conversation. We also talk about a new website that Matt has launched from his Ditch That Textbook site. We're all familiar with Netflix. We all enjoy watching those programs on demand. Matt has taken that same concept, that Netflix concept, and has brought it to teacher education. So you can go to teachflix.org, and that's where you'll find all types of videos that are crowdsourced from educators, just like all of you, that can be used at all grade levels. So you want to check that out again at teachflix.org. You also want to follow Matt on Twitter at jmattmiller. He always has great content. Uh, all of that is free, and most of it comes from his great blog at ditchthattextbook.com, where you'll always find great ideas and resources on how to create more engaging lessons in your classroom. Speaking of websites, I hope you can visit my new site at reimagineschoolsnow.com. That's where you'll find the home base for the podcast. You'll also find information there about my new executive coaching program, that helps leaders reimagine schools as I help you go from good to great in your school district. Just click on the free session link and I'll be glad to meet with you and talk about how I can help you uh, in the future with your leadership journey and your quest to reimagine schools. So I'd love to hear from you. As always, a big shout out to my friends at Rocket PD, who service the official sponsor of the podcast. Be sure to check them out at rocketpd.com. So let's get to it. My conversation with Matt Miller begins right after this quick promo from the Education Podcast Network. I'm Rachel Johnson, co-host of the Educals Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. My guest today is an old friend of the podcast, and I don't know if I've ever had a better guest than Matt Miller. How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm great now, especially after that introduction. That's awful kind, Greg. Well, I love talking with you, and you're close by. I'm in Kentucky. You're in Indiana, so we kind of have that uh, in common uh, I was just on your Amazon page, just kind of going through. I know you've written five books now. Uh, I really don't know where you find the time to do that because I'm trying to write a book myself and it's kicking my tail every day. But uh, can you believe it's been almost seven years since Ditch That Textbook came out? No, I can't. I still remember working on that book almost like it was yesterday. But then again, I still remember my kids who are all in middle school and high school like they were teeny tiny, like they were yesterday, you know. But, um, but yeah, Ditch That Textbook's been around for a while. And I mean, you know, as technology comes and goes and changes and stuff, some of the stuff I talked about in the book, um, some of the tools and stuff have changed. But like, you know, thankfully, that's one of the nice things about education, like a lot of the good, solid practices, a lot of the things that make great teachers great, like, you know, that stuff's evergreen and, and still hangs around. So, yeah, I'm still... I'm still blown away by it. It's still it's still super cool to be able to look at a book and see your your name on it as the author. Yeah. And, you know, ditch that textbook is a great read. If you don't have that in your professional library, you need to jump out and get that. But that kind of led to the uh, ditch that textbook website. 
you have a very popular blog and a lot of things going around that theme. I just saw not too long ago, you have a new, um, a free updated ebook, which is 101 ways to ditch that textbook, practical ways to ditch that textbook. So now you're giving it away for free. <laughs> I'm giving that one away anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's just kind of like a collection of a whole bunch of practical things you can use in class right away. It's kind of like, it's almost like the greatest hits album off of my, my blog, sort of all in one place. If your listeners want to get it, all they've got to do is go to ditch that textbook.com slash join. And that actually gets them signed up for my uh, email newsletter. That's where, you know, whenever I think about something or write about something, working about something new, like that's where it comes out first is in the email newsletter. So uh, yeah, there's all sorts of good stuff out there and we keep cranking new things out every day. So well, you and I both know it's hard to keep up with everything, but you, yeah. you have found a way to balance uh, it very well. I mean, you do a lot of speaking. Uh, the blog is, you know, received national recognition, so it's great. And then you're writing and how do you keep everything going? And I guess what's your favorite uh, forum to communicate with other educators? Oh, man. OK, so two questions there. Um, the, the how do I keep it going thing? You know, I think that, uh, you know, it, it always helps to just be curious about stuff, you know, just always kind of, it's like that lifelong learner thing that we all talk about in our school mission statements that we want kids to do. Like, you know, I think as long as we're, we're always sort of curious, of course, that's really hard right now too, because teachers have so much on their plates and they're asked to do so much. And it even feels like, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic and we're getting kind of on the other side of it, it almost feels like it's even more so Plus you got to deal with the burnout and everything. Um, so it's, it's hard to do that, but, you know, just uh, always being, being curious about, about that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, just, just constantly being willing to, to kind of dive into new things and see what's going on. One of my big goals really is to try to look at a lot of that, a lot of the stuff that teachers are doing right now and things that they can do um, and try to make it quick and easy for them to implement. You know, my goal is, is always, if I can save teachers a little bit of time, you know, maybe that's time that they can get out the door a little faster after school, you know, so they can go see their kids or go out to dinner or something like that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the focus for me, I guess. And, you know, we've really kind of, um, hit the danger zone in terms of teachers leaving the profession and yeah. it's understandable. Uh, they, you know, we throw a lot of things at teachers and teaching during the pandemic obviously was, was very difficult, but, um, you know, what are your thoughts on teacher retention and trying to get teachers to, to stay and to get more excited about what they're doing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it seems like even, you know, when I very first started teaching all the way back in like 2004, it felt like every year there was more and more and more on my plate. You know, we were continually asked to do more and more. And I know that really hasn't slowed down at all. And, you know, the numbers were something like, you know, one in five teachers leaves the profession after like five years or something like that, or like half of them. Like, I can't remember what it was, but it was some sort of startling statistic. And I know it's got to be even worse than that now. And, um, you know, honestly, I would love, I think this, this, this sort of gets to the, the heart of it. I would love great teachers to continue being great teachers, but I also don't want them to do something that's best for them per, or that's not best for them personally. You know, so if they're out there teaching and they're killing it, but they're, you know, stressed out and, you know, there's 
if, if it's a bad situation for someone, I don't want someone to hang around in a bad situation because, you know, there's, there's something that they, that they need to do for students. I, I mean, personally, I would love that. I would love that for my own kids, but I also think that we have to recognize, you know, the, the mental health and the well-being of people first, which strikes at the bigger issue of we need to support our teachers better just in an edge as the education profession, you know, we need to, um, I mean, there's there's teacher pay issues, of course, but also making it manageable and making it doable for all of them. Um, now, since since you brought this up, there is a little thing that um, we've been trying to do to make things a little bit better for teachers in that way. Um, I started collaborating with the readers of my blog and just asking, you know, like, what are some of those really good teaching practices that help you also save time? Know, that help you to be more efficient, uh, things that are sometimes either low prep or no prep that can help you do that great teaching, but also get out the door as quick as you can so you can go live your life. And so we've started compiling all of these resources between me and some of the ones that read my blog and everything. And it's this, uh, you can find it real easily at this website called Efficient Teach. So it's just efficientteach.com that, that shares the T. So it's efficient teach.com. If you go there, you know, we've got a whole bunch of downloadable, usable resources, but a lot of the stuff is sort of rooted in like, you know, best practice and um, cognitive science. I mean, really cognitive science tells us a lot about things that we can do that help learning stick that really take little to no prep at all. Um, and if we knew about it, we could help students do those things and it wouldn't take as much uh, front loading or even on the other end of it with all of the grading and the feedback and all of that stuff. Um, there's a lot that we can do, I think, that can help us save some of that time that I hope will also help us retain teachers too. So I know there was an awful lot in that response, your short question and my great big old long response, but I think there's, there's a lot that we can do. And, and I think that's a great answer. And, you know, one of the things that I've really been uh, taking a deep dive into of late is this idea that the role of the teacher is changing. And I believe that uh, 100%. And I, I, I shared a quote recently uh, on social media. It said, the secret of change is to focus all of our energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And I think mm. that's one of the, the pain points that so many teachers have is they're still kind of stuck in that traditional model, you know, yep. they're, you know, writing things in their, their lesson plan book, they're using that pacing guide, and kids just aren't engaged. That's why your, yep. your blog is so valuable to teachers out there looking for change. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I, I totally agree with you that, um, you know, if we continue to, I mean, ditch that textbook was sort of founded on that, that philosophy. You know, for me, I was teaching high school Spanish, just sort of marching my way through the chapters of the textbook, the way that so many of my teachers had done it. And, you know, nowadays we've got, you know, all sorts of great digital resources and we've learned more about how the brain learns and about how to engage kids. There's all of these books where teachers are just like, so share, so freely sharing what works for them. So really, you know, there, there are lots of opportunities for us to level up our practice and engage students. Um, and I think you also speak to the, the new, you know, trying to figure out where are kids' minds, what's interesting to them, what's relevant to their lives, and really what's relevant to their futures too. And how can we, you know, day by day, 
factor all of that into our lesson plans. And um, yeah, I, I love the, you know, you're thinking about that, you're pushing in that direction. And so am I. And I think the more teachers that are willing to do that, the more relevant kids' educations will be going forward. So we'll have less kids who will get out of school and go, yeah, I went through school because I had to, because I had to get that diploma, but I don't really remember anything. Like, I really feel like we can equip kids better if we continually have those questions in mind. And, you know, we're having these really big conversations, deep dives, if you will, around deeper learning. And I was talking to some teachers recently here in Kentucky, and I think everyone is on board and believes that is the best way to run your classroom. But I had a teacher just come out and say, you know, Dr. Goins, I believe in deeper learning. I don't know where to begin. And yeah. my response to that was simply, you know, the first step to deeper learning is to find a way to get kids more excited about what you're doing in your classroom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where your, your blog comes in. A lot of the work you're doing uh, kind of resonates around that. But what are your thoughts on the deeper learning approach and to kind of get teachers, you know, some inspiration that you're already doing some of these things. It's not this yeah. great overhaul of your classroom. Just become more engaging with kids. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a piece to that, too. And, you know, we've had teachers for ages that come in and do school. And by do school, I mean, like doing some of the tasks and some of the things that we've seen teachers do for ages, you know. They get up in front of class and lecture. That's doing school. That's something that teachers have done before. And that if you get up and do that, you know, there's probably not going to be a ton of pushback on that. You know, they make photocopies of worksheets. Um, they give multiple choice tests and they do. It's like all of these same things. Um, you know, they, they have a policy on deducting points for late work. It's like, there's all of these things that if you do these things, you look like a teacher, you look like the traditional teacher and you're probably not going to get fired. And you're probably parents will recognize that as the way that their schools and their classes were run. So they probably won't push back on you a ton, but you got to eventually ask the question, what are kids getting out of that? Yes, it looks like class. Yes, it looks like school. Yes, it looks like the things that schools have done forever, but what are kids really getting out of it? And I think the thing that's hard about deeper learning is that it gets messy. You know, it's easy to give kids a multiple choice worksheet or a multiple choice quit. And I'm not like totally hating on those. Those have a place when you use them in the, in the right in the right spot. And, you know, they're, they're able to be graded quickly, which gives kids uh, quick feedback. And so there, there's something to be done with that, but that can't be everything. But whenever you start to do that stuff, you know, if, if you want to get past that, you've got to start trying things that don't look like that, that aren't super easily graded, that aren't easily measured. I think that's one of the things that, our politicians and, you know, some of the people that clamor for standardized testing, they love it because it's clean and neat and you can run it through a calculator and all of that. But the meaningful deep stuff sometimes means having discussions. It means using creativity. It means, you know, exploring things and taking time to do it in ways that sometimes aren't easily measured. But man, when you look back on the results of that stuff afterwards and you see kids having insightful discussions and you see some of the creative things that they make with what they've learned, it starts to become completely obvious that 
deeper learning is happening here. So I think probably the big thing that I would encourage people to do is embrace the mess. You know, that sometimes it's not going to be neat and easily graded. And sometimes you're going to fail. And sometimes things aren't going to go the way that you hope. But if you're willing to embrace some of that mess, that's where your practice is going to evolve and upgrade. And that's where you're going to start to engage kids because all of a sudden class doesn't feel exactly like what they do in all the other classes or exactly the way that it's been all along. Like it's something new and fresh and different and relevant that way. Hey guys, Dr. Greg Goins here, and I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. We'll get right back to the conversation after this quick shout out from our sponsor, Rocket PD. There's one thing we can all agree on. The days of sit and get PD are over. That's why my friends at Rocket PD have assembled the best experts on the planet on the hottest topics on education with a mission to create the world's largest community of educators committed to helping teachers and staff succeed. So prepare for launch by going to rocketpd.com where you can connect your team with the most inspiring educators on the topics that matter. It's professional learning fueled by passion. Visit rocketpd.com to join the Rocket PD community and download your free ultimate guide to K-12 PD. So join Rocket PD today and get the help and support that you've been searching for. And, you know, I, I don't remember which book it was. I, I think it was Tech Like a Pirate, but I, mm -hmm. I use this all the time when I talk with teachers is you talk about this idea that teachers have to create an experience in the classroom. Yes. That's and, and, and it's so important that that happened. You know, it, it's a sad state of affairs when kids can't wait to run out of the schoolhouse at three o'clock to go do what they want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they have to do things they don't necessarily like, uh, you know, during the typical school day, but you have found a way to replicate some of these things. You know, a lot of schools are going to frown upon, pulling the cell phones out and making TikTok videos in a classroom. And, and yep. I understand that to some degree, yep. although I think yep. there's a great deal of creativity and collaboration that's happening uh, if there's proper supervision. But mm -hmm. there are ways you can recreate that experience or replicate that experience in the classroom. And I love that you design those things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you set me up for one of my favorite things to talk about. That's that's like top level stuff there, Greg. Um, yeah. Recreating the experience. Let's use TikTok as an example. I mean, yeah, there are probably, um, you know, there are probably policies against uh, using TikTok and the, the internet filters are probably set up so that if you're on the Wi-Fi, you can't access TikTok. And, you know, I'm starting to see more and more and more teachers say, yeah, these cell phones are powerful devices, but they're also huge distractions too. And kids are more distracted now than ever. And I'd almost rather, I can, I'm hearing him say this, I'd almost rather them try to do things on the Chromebook or the laptop that has been issued to them by the school and put the cell phones away. And I can kind of see that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of go back and forth on that one, but what you were talking about just there was recreating the experience. So let's say if TikTok is something that they're into, you know, that they love, let's look at what makes TikTok irresistible and see if we can pull some of that into the lessons. 
That's one of the big picture ideas that I think teachers can really run with. And whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or music or movies or cooking or gymnastics or whatever it is that, that kids are interested in. If we can find that thing that's irresistible about it and pull it in, we can, we can do some, some amazing learning, some really engaging learning. Like for instance, with TikTok, let's use that as sort of a, a case study. You know, TikTok is all about short videos that have lots of visual components that get to the viewer's interests in a hurry. You know, TikTok teaches us that if you don't hook your viewers in, in two or three or four seconds, they're going to swipe on to the next video. And so recapping things in short video form is something that, you know, for instance, uh, Flip, which used to be called Flipgrid, that's a great platform for doing that. And you can really repurpose some of the, like, you know, some of the popular TikTok genres. So some of the types of videos that are out there, some of the, you know, trending types of videos, you can repurpose those on Flip super easily, only talk about the content of your class through it. Um, my friend, Holly Clark, who, you know, is also a, an author and a speaker in the education space, national board certified teacher, um, She's talking about something that she she's started doing with students called flip talks instead of TikToks. You know, she's taken that idea of you know, what is it that you love on TikTok and can we repurpose and make something similar to that using flip? It's the same concept, but it's just a tool where you can use it within the classroom. And if we start to think like that, you know, it's it's tough because it means that we have to see things through the eyes of our students. We have to be curious about what their lives look like and what their interests are so that we know how to design those experiences. And we also need to be willing to pull kids in and let them sort of collaboratively brainstorm with us on what that looks like, because we're not going to know everything that's, that's relevant to them. So, oh my goodness, there's so much we can talk about here, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Like, can we create a memorable experience with the things that kids love. I think that big idea can go so far. And, and you know, uh, when I visit your, your blog and, and I, for full, full disclosure, I use your, your blog post and uh, some of your, your books and information and the mm -hmm. courses I teach uh, at the college level with aspiring principals, because I think they need to have a better understanding of what that chaos and mess needs to look like in the classroom. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. But yeah. whenever I go to your blog, I see things like, you provide so many free resources that are practical yeah. that teachers can use right now. Things like, uh, you know, how to make your classroom a breakout room or how to turn your classroom into a game show or how to create these experiences that are going to get kids excited. So, I mean, you're, you're a very creative person, first of all. But secondly, you know, I, I think teachers just need to kind of step out on the ledge a little bit and kind of become more imaginative as to yeah. what is possible in the classroom. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Um, and some of that, again, kind of goes to the idea of the messiness again, you know, because when we start at, I, I hear teachers say this a lot, like, I'm just not one of those creative types. That's just, that's just not me. And, you know, to, to people that, that say that, <laughs> well, first of all, I go, well, go check out some of the resources on my website. Maybe I've done some of that creative work for you. But that's kind of like, you know, the old proverb of, you know, give someone a fish and you feed them for a day. 
Instead, let's teach someone to fish and feed them for a lifetime. And so if you want to develop that creativity skill, so to speak, and I really think, you know, creativity, even creative lesson design and creative teaching, I think it's kind of like a muscle, you know, like if you continue to work it and flex it over time, it continually grows. And so if you want to start to do that, like just start small, you know, just start with one little thing where you go, okay, here's the thing that the textbook says I should do. Let me take that and make one small adjustment to it that makes it more engaging for kids. That's a start. You know, that's a, it's just like scaffolding that we do with students in the, in the classroom, you know, let's make it manageable and doable by taking small steps. And once you do that, you look at it afterwards and go, oh, that worked out okay. Now, if I did this again next time, I would do this part a little bit differently. And so, you know, you jot that down in your lesson plan book or you remember it for next time. And, you know, the next time you do it a little differently. And then you're starting to build that skill and you go, okay, this one kind of worked. That's going to give me some more courage to try the next thing. And maybe you try the next thing and you're like, oh, that was a mess. But the kids were kind of into it. Even if it was a mess, you know, even if it didn't go exactly the way that I wanted, there were parts of it that kind of worked. Let's do that better next time, you know? And if you're willing to, it's, it's tough. It was tough for me as a bit of a perfectionist who didn't like things to go wrong or to go awry. It was tough for me to do that as a teacher, but I also learned that the benefits of it you know, being able to see kids engaged in work and doing things that I wouldn't expect them to be able to do, like that was worth me putting myself out on the line a little bit and failing every once in a while. So I think you got to kind of, you know, you got to, you got to take that into consideration and be willing to put yourself on, out on the line like that. And, you know, I, I really think it's, it comes down to, to changing the mindset from being a teacher to being a designer. That's why I'm so excited about design thinking concepts. And I know that's something that you talk about a little bit, but I mean, you have to have the autonomy and the courage to design classroom lessons. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Design. It's, that's exactly it. You know, um, I think the, the reason that we have some folks that will kind of march chapter by chapter through the textbook, um, which is the way that I describe it and ditch that textbook, which is what I was trying to get away from. Um, and they'll do that because, you know, it, there, there's a variety of reasons. You know, one of them is the time factor. You know, we we're talking about that earlier, teachers having so much on their plates and just not feeling like, I just saw someone on Twitter yesterday that was saying, you know, I would love to do no, this was in an email. She was saying, telling me, I would love to do more creative stuff. I just don't feel like I have enough time. And so I think that there's, um, you know, there, there's a real issue at heart with that, where, again, we were talking earlier about sort of the way that education is set up overall to not give teachers the support that they probably need. Um, time is one of those supports. Time really is, I think, the most valuable resource of a teacher, um, the time to design some of those lessons, to design learning experiences, to be able to provide meaningful feedback, to be available to students. Time is that great resource. And I think if we want to empower people to do, empower teachers to, to do these kinds of things, I think time is really where it kind of comes down. Um, 
to do that design that you were just talking about. You know, that's, I, I really think time is a, is a big part of it. But like you said, Greg, it's also a mindset too. Am I willing to learn what it takes to design things? Um, am I willing to learn how to design out a unit so that step by step by step, kids are getting that experience that I want? Or even within the confines of one individual class or one individual activity, how can I design that for success? And I think the more that teachers think of themselves as designers, the more we can adapt to the sort of ever-changing world and the ever-changing demands that kids are going to have on their future. Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And I always feel energized after we talk and I, and I feel better <laughs> about what's happening in the classroom. But before I let you go, I, I do want to let you talk a little bit about Teach Flicks and, oh, yeah. uh, and some great video resources out there. Yeah, yeah. So Teach Flicks is something that um, we just put together recently here at uh, Ditch That Textbook. Um, Carly Mora, who is my blog and social media editor, um, she sort of had a vision for this where uh, if we could put together a place where there were lots of really great classroom videos, you know, like instructional videos or videos to sort of like spark thinking for students, you know, just things that teachers could use with their students, um, all vetted by teachers or suggested by teachers. If we could put those together all in one place, what would that look like? And as we sort of brainstormed what it would look like, of course, Netflix kind of came to mind as a place that has lots of videos that are well organized and easily searchable. And so um, Carly started designing and um, she came up with this website that you can find at teachflix.org. Teachflix.org has now more than 500 instructional videos that we've either found ourselves or have been suggested to us by educators. Uh, you can search the site and find it. Um, it's categorized by uh, content area and also by grade level. There are segments for elementary, middle school, and high school. And you can find those videos. And then also there's a button on the site that gives you like activities and worksheets and stuff that you can assign with the videos to. So again, we were talking about saving time and still doing that engaging learning. Like so many of us know that if we find a good video that illustrates the content really well, that engages and that sticks in kids' minds. And if we have a little bit of work that's ready to do um, that you can just kind of download and assign to students, like that's, that's kind of the vision of what TeachFlix was all about. So if people want to go check that out, teachflix.org is where you can find it. And it has been <laughs> over the last few days, especially once we've started really pushing it, it has been a busy, busy site looking at the traffic. So I'm, I'm glad that people are getting some use out of it. Well, good stuff. Very cool. And uh, as we wrap it up, keep killing it, my friend. I'm a big fan and we'll continue to support all that you're doing. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Likewise, Greg, keep, uh, you know, pushing people to rethink their, their practice. And I, I love how you think about education and what you're encouraging people to do through this podcast. So if you're listening to this and you've been listening to Greg for a little while, then I bet you probably consider yourself fortunate too. And um, just, just keep doing what you're doing too, man. Appreciate well, you. Thank you, my friend. Have a good school year. All right. Thanks. So that's a wrap on this episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating and leave a comment wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
As friends of the podcast, I hope you can give me a follow on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins, where you can learn more about my work as a partnership ambassador with the Modern Classrooms Project, and also about my work with Brave Ed, where innovative school districts across the country are leading change through a benefits-based accountability system that allows school communities to redefine student success. So until next time, folks, thanks for listening and keep fighting for change in your schools.